The greatest single season turnaround in NBA history is complete. Banner number 17, soon to be raised to the Raptors. This is the Celtics pregame show with Patrick Gilroy and Jeff Hickman on ESPN New Hampshire. All right, our number two Celtics pregame show here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jared Scally here filling in for Patrick Gilroy and Jeff Hickman. Of course, you're listening to us on the TuneIn app, ESPNNHradio.com, as well as the 912.50 AM here signal in the Granite State. Uh, Celtics, Hornets tonight, pregame show taking you up till 7.30. Don't forget, CNS Radio postgame show will be on after the game, so come back here to ESPN New Hampshire or go to CLNS, and don't forget to tune in. And uh, our good friend Josue Pavone joins us now from WEI. He'll, he'll also be hosting the Celtics postgame show for CLNS Radio, so stay tuned after that. Josue, what's going on? What's up, Jared, man? How are you? I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, you know. Are you warm, man? Are you I, warm? I, I, Is it cold I, up there? It's nippy. It's <laughs> nippy up here, and we're getting like four inches of not more of snow tomorrow, so it's getting new. It's winter. Yeah, it's not much better down here, man. We're yep. getting the same thing, but I'm ready for it. You know, we got to be ready. This is just this is where we live. That's what we get. We live. <laughs> we chose to live in New England, um, yeah, so we have to deal with it. Where, this is why you become a skier, Josue, because you have to live with it. You might as well embrace it and go outside, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, you have to go outside, and unfortunately, I guess we live in a place where the the wind will the being outside hurts your face. <laughs> you know, at this time of year, yeah, this it's, is what it, it's what we deal with in New England. It's numbing. Hopefully, the wind's good to Santa in a week. Um, <laughs> Um, no win tonight, though, Factor Josue. Uh, the Celtics are playing indoors, thankfully, tonight uh, against the Bobcats. Isaiah Thomas returns tonight, and that's posed, and I'm, I talked about this earlier in the show, poses the question, obviously, Isaiah Thomas, what would he be like when he comes back? But I talked broader. Do you think that Isaiah Thomas is really a starter on a championship team? I don't even think Isaiah Thomas should be a starter on this team. So, <laughs> Wow, Jared, not you too, man. <laughs> Are you hitting that panic button, man? Are you hovering over that panic button and getting ready to slam it, or are you already slamming it down? There's no panic button. I just watch him play, and I watch how the team somehow plays without him, and I just, I don't know. Give me your answer first. Okay, so first, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you the cliche answer and say he's not a number one, okay? On a championship team, is Isaiah Thomas a number one? No. No. Can he be a number two? I think so, but I think you have to put together uh uh, kind of, you got to put together a team that has a, a clear cut number one. So, whether his production is going to be a number two is sort of going to be, you know, obvious between him and Al Horford. He's probably going to be the, the second, you know, in this hypothetical championship team, he would be the second option. I think this is a guy who people are just don't overlook how good of a scorer he is. I think people are still skeptical because of his size. People are still skeptical because of uh, what he is, you know at times when he's not hot, you know, of course, when Isaiah Thomas isn't feeling it, I mean, he's not really, he doesn't really give you much else on the offensive end. But I think that what we need to understand is how how big he is in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is one of the guys who's, uh, you know, a, a top three scorer in the fourth quarter. He's a guy who, if he's not, if he's not making shots in the first three quarters, there's always that last one where you can turn it around. I mean, we've seen that in the, in, in the last two seasons. And I think it's going to just only get better from here. Um, in terms of his of his roof or his ceiling, you know, of course, we can't forget the fact that he is going to be 30 soon. Uh, guys typically at his age don't necessarily go into 34, 35, still performing at a high level. But I think there's still three years, uh, 
a three-year window before we can start worrying about that. I think people are sort of jumping the gun. And, of course, that's understandable because of his size. Yes, this isn't a guy who who's built like, you know, Paul Pierce, who was a guy who played into 33, 34, still being very effective for a guy his age. Um, we, may, we may not see that with Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, but I think that within these next couple of years, that's why this window for Danny Ainge is starting to, starting to close on us a bit, just a little bit, it's starting <laughs> to close a bit in terms of bringing a top-notch level talent, a number one uh, championship level, number one guy that's going to carry this team over into being a team that can contest against uh, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, and and the reason why I believe it, and I've mentioned this already, but I'll, I'll let you hear it too, Josue. It's I just see, um, I see his performances in the playoffs, and yeah, he's he's made the spark plug plays, but I think that's what he is. He's a spark plug player. He's not a player to rely on because, as you see in a lot of playoff games, refs tend to swallow their whistles when the games get close in the playoffs, and that's what he banks his game off. You know, he likes to go to the rim and hopefully gets fouled, and if not, if an acrobatic go shot shot goes in, then hey, good for him. But um, I just look at him as not a serious play. Now I. I Am I cool with him being a three on a team to win a championship? Yes, of course. But is he untouchable to me like a lot of people say he might be for Danny Ainge? No, I don't think so. So that's the way I look at it. I, I think he should be coming off the bench. I don't think that he's fit well. Now, look, I think he should probably finish the games because he's obviously strong finishing games. But I think overall, uh, maybe it's more important of who finishes than maybe who starts. Okay. I guess I can see what you're saying there. But I just feel like whether he... Okay, if he doesn't start, he has to end the games. But I, I think he's proven that he's he can he has to be a starter on this team. And, and until they're able to bring in another talent or, or someone that can play his position better than him, I mean, I, I think he's the clear cut favorite to be number one. I mean, we hear these talks about Marcus Smart and people saying because of his size that he you know he could he could uh, his 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 value could go through the roof because of what he's able to do and because of his, because of his physicality. But if we're talking about pure talent, I mean, this is one of the more, one of the more inconsistent players that Southern have had in the last couple of years. This guy's very inconsistent. Uh, his health is something I think that people overlook as well. This isn't uh, someone that's been able to play 70 games throughout his NBA career yet. I mean, we haven't seen him go through a season without any injuries or, or, or very limited injuries. And I think that's something to keep a close eye on. But I also think that he's, his consistency just worries me so much that I'm not ready to even start having that conversation about him being in the starting lineup. That Marcus Smart comes back tonight, probably will be in the starting lineup. Um, right now, Josue, what can he do for you tonight? Does he come back? Is he rusty or is he going to jump right back into what we know he is tonight? I think he may have a bit of a slow start, but... By the end of the game, we're talking about probably another 20-point night. I mean, this is a team that's without their starting point guard, uh, the, the Charlotte Hornets. They don't have Kemba Walker. He does a lot of things for those guys on, yep. on both ends of the floor. Essentially, they're most valuable and most important player. So I think that they're, they are going to miss him in this matchup because Isaiah Thomas, he can really blow by guys. And Kemba Walker is one guy who can keep up with him. So without him in the, uh, in the mix, Isaiah Thomas should be able to do what he wants offensively. Um, I think he'll be a bit careful, a little cautious. Uh, uh, Brad Stevens is not going to push him to, you know, 30-plus minutes or so. But um, I, I think we'll see uh, We'll see a typical uh, Isaiah Thomas night tonight. Josue, you kind of quickly hinted on the fact that, you know, you, you still need to add a piece or whatever, and um, we all know that. That's no hidden secret with this team. They're not that there yet. Um, I saw an article coincidentally, on WEI.com, um, just reporting, you know, that Danny is looking to make a move still, which is good. He should be, right? It's his job. Um, he's looking to make a move, and he's interested in trading for Gordon Hayward. Is that necessary? Because we all know he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, don't get me wrong, I love Gordon Hayward here, and there, there are some reports that he might want to stay in Utah, so maybe you have to get him here with a trade, but is it worth 
giving up some assets for Gordon Hayward, or do you take the risk and maybe hope he decides to come here in the offseason? I think you take the risk, Jared. Um, this is this is a, a, a situation that I think Danny Ainge needs to, of course, handle carefully, and I think that has a lot to do with the reason why he hasn't made deals left and right. I, I think Danny's been he's going for the going for the big fish here. I mean, he's going for catfish hunter. I mean, let's <laughs> let's face it. I mean, if there's one thing we learned about this past summer, he's not looking for bass. I mean, he he went after it. He and he almost got it. You know, that was surprising to me. And it surprised a lot of guys that he almost got the big fish. You know, a lot of people would would argue that if the Golden State Warriors go on to win the NBA championship, he may have signed with the Celtics. He probably would have signed with the Celtics. So I think that goes to show you where his mindset is. He isn't going to just make a deal just to make a deal, or he's not going to make a deal because you know so and so contract is up almost you know almost coming up off the books, or, or make a deal because uh, yeah, he, this person uh, kind of fits what they need. So yeah, let's do it. He's going to make a clear-cut deal that's going to make this team uh, much better than they already are. Uh, I, I think he's looking for, for the, those those type of deals, those big deals, whether we're talking to Marcus Cousins, I mean, whether we're talking about, um, I don't know, whoever down the road, he's not going to just make a trade for someone that's going to come off the books and he can go chase over in, in the summertime. I mean, he's already broken that spell of, free agents don't want to come to Boston by signing Al Horford. I think that's going to continue to happen within the next few years. I think teams are looking at uh, Brad Stevens as probably the most attractive piece for the Celtics in terms of uh, bringing free agents in. And second to Brad Stevens, I have to say, is Isaiah Thomas. Mm -hmm. Isaiah Thomas is starting to be a a star in this league. He's eighth in scoring. I don't think this is a fluke. I don't think this is going to be a season where he starts to uh, uh, dwindle down to 23 or 22 points a night. I think this guy's going to finish the season averaging 26, 25 points a game, going to be able to, to perform at a consistent level, and that makes the Celtics much more attractive in the offseason for free agents. Uh, Josue, you mentioned Brad Stevens being an important piece, obviously, to getting guys here, which I think is true. I think Brad Stevens has a great reputation around the league still. Um, how important is he in, in, in Danny's decision to hold off on not trading for Gordon Hayward, thinking that Brad might be able to sway him here on his own because of the Butler ties? Very important. Very important. Now, I know that there's reports saying that he really likes Utah and he would like to stay there, but, I mean, the Celtics, if, if they can pull off a, a big meeting, and I don't think we'll see Tom Brady at this meeting, but I think <laughs> Brad Stevens, Kelly Olenek? you know, take a trip down memory lane. Yeah, Kelly will probably be in there. More tie-dye <laughs> shirts? Make the trip <laughs> with the tie-dye shirt. Uh, Isaiah Thomas will be in there, you know, just kind of have his game face on, like kind of probably try to intimidate <laughs> Gordon Hayward into coming, into coming to Boston. And I think those two will have a great conversation. And that's speaking of Brad Stevens and, and Gordon Hayward. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't. I, I wouldn't like to see the Celtics make a deal for Hayward because it's gonna it's gonna take a, a lot. And and why why do that when you can just chase him down next summer? I almost want Brett Stevens and Gordon Hayward just to get locked into a room together for an hour by themselves. Like and I, he doesn't leave until he signs the contract. Exactly. Yeah. Like no cameras, <laughs> nothing. Just put a contract in there. Put Brad Stevens in there and say, "Hey, man, let's go. Let's do this and just go for it." I mean, Brad Stevens, the city of Boston, playing playoff basketball. I mean, there's a lot to entice someone like Gordon Hayward, whereas Kevin Durant, you really had to bring out the big guns. So that's obviously trade season's among us, of course. It's, it's on its way after Christmas, and uh, we're excited for that as media members, of course. But looking at this schedule coming up, Josue, this game is pretty important tonight for the Celtics. You know, coming off a couple tough games, and um, you look against a team like Charlotte, who's right there with you. You know, you're you're both kind of rebuilding at the same pace, um, so you're kind of using each other as a measuring stick. Um, you have a lot of home games coming up after the New Year, after the Christmas game. 
how important is, is every home game now, especially tonight after coming off a skid, you get IT back. They're going to have to play tonight, and I, I expect a dogfight tonight, right? Yeah, this is important. I mean, they're going on the road next week. They're coming back home to, to for for a rematch against Oklahoma City, and um, I, I think one of the reasons why I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking closely in these next couple of weeks because now that they have Isaiah Thomas back is because the Southern look very scary without Isaiah Thomas, and I know of course that can that that's sort of stating the obvious, but when you're playing against a team like Oklahoma City, and yeah, I know how good Russell Westbrook is. I know he's an MVP candidate. I know mm-hmm. he's one of the best players in the NBA. Mr. Triple Double. You're you're supposed to beat this team. I mean, I, even with or without Isaiah, the way they played against Orlando Magic, and I'm not saying Orlando Magic are, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder are like neck and neck with the Orlando Magic, but that was a game that they were leading the entire night, and they sort of just crumbled in the fourth quarter. I'm very concerned about this team's confidence in the fourth quarter, and I'm very concerned about um, how how easy they, they, they can give up leads. You know, with or without Isaiah, I, I thought that those four games was a great opportunity for them to sort of find themselves and then have Isaiah come back and, and everything would just be pieced together and they could finish off the month with a with an impressive winning record. But now it looks like they, they look like a finesse team, guys. I mean, let's call it what it is. That's, that's what they look like. You know, they're flirting with a 500 record. They're, um, they're oh, yeah, of course, in the, in the Eastern Conference, you know, they're right there in terms of, you know, they're only a few games away from third place, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean much in a weak Eastern Conference. A I few think games from 12, to too. identity. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think the team needs to find its identity, and it really starts in the defensive end. I mean, the, the points that they're giving up in the paint, uh, it, it, it's alarming. You know, when you look at someone like Jay Crowder, I mean, he just seems like a step behind on the defensive end this year, as well as on the offensive end. But Jay Crowder, when you talk about Jay Crowder, you talk about defense. I mean, he, this guy was huge for this team last season. This guy would guard the opposing team's best players. He would, he would force them to have off nights. He would, you know, shake their rhythm off. He was, he was just kill teams on the defensive end, along with, of course, Marcus Smart and, of course, with Avery Bradley. Mm-hmm. I just feel like defensively this is not the team that we saw last year, and teams are starting to notice that, and they're starting to get exposed, and they're just not afraid to face the Celtics like they were last year. And I hate to ask this because I'm an Al Horford guy, but how much does this stretch without Isaiah Thomas kind of put a bad taste in a lot of Celtics fans' mouths about Al Horford? Because, you know, with that fourth quarter collapses and all these things, doesn't that fall on Al Horford when I, if Isaiah Thomas isn't being the leader? Al Horford is a defensive quarterback. As much as he might not be as much of a strong presence, he is a presence, and he, he leads the team. He, he tells the team where to be on defense. He really is there to help, and if you're falling apart with Al Horford on the floor too, doesn't that speak volumes to maybe what's going on in his head? Here's the thing with Horford, okay. One week ago, after the Raptors game, if you were to ask me this question, I was on the fence in terms of talking about how Brad Stevens was running his offense. I didn't like seeing Al Horford, you know, selling for threes or, or being set up for open threes or being passed off in the paint. I mean, I, I was getting very frustrated with how the offense was set up around Horford. I like the pick and roll, obviously, that opens things up, but I also wanted to see plays that were specifically designed for Horford. It was a lot of plays in that fourth quarter against the Raptors where it seemed like the Celtics were sort of freestyling, and that drove me nuts. <laughs> um, I, I think that the best play I saw was out of a timeout from Brad Stevens where they, they gave it to Al Horford in the paint, or actually, no, I think he was on top of the key. He drove to the hoop, got a foul, and won. You know, there was another play where, you know, he, they, were, they were deliberately giving him the ball in the paint, and he was producing, so that was great. Now, fast forward uh, against Oklahoma City, you saw just careless turnovers by, by, by Al Horford. I mean, there was one huge play where he tried to make a pass 
Uh, I don't know what happened. It just slipped out of his hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just kind of crumbled underneath the, the, the pressure situation. And then you look at the, the, the last game against the San Antonio Spurs where you could see from the, fair, from the first quarter, Brad Stevens was going into Al Horford. He was, he was setting up plays for him in the paint, but they just weren't falling. I mean, he just didn't have a good shooting night. He sort of picked up some momentum in that fourth quarter where he made some few uh, a few plays and, and he got to the free throw line and he was sort of uh, they, were, they were abusing uh, uh, the, the matchup with David Lee and, mm-hmm. and yep. Popovich wasted no time to take David Lee out of the mix and that was it you know after that he ne- he didn't really get back to, to getting into him, to getting the ball inside to Horford but I, I think Al Horford just at the end of the day he just had a bad night but I would love to see what Brad Stevens does going forward now that Isaiah Thomas is back I would love to see him continue to do that like he did against San Antonio. Give it to him in the paint. You know, I, I don't mind seeing Al Horford shoot threes. I like the mix, the, the, to see him do the inside-outside game. That, that's who Al Horford is. Yep. But I just thought that there weren't, we weren't seeing enough plays designed for Al Horford than you know, guys like Isaiah Thomas or jump shots for Avery Bradley. I saw some of that on San Antonio. I hope we can continue to see that trend. And then once we see that, once we see how Brad Stevens uses it more, we can uh, analyze Al Horford's game offensively because um, I think originally he wasn't getting enough touches. Now it seems like he is, so we'll see how he reacts moving forward. I, I wanted to ask you about, um, I haven't been on air since, well, he, at least for this pregame show, since the Houston loss. Tough loss, awful loss. Um, Oof, I was there. How, yeah. You were there. How, 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 obviously, how hard was it to watch that missed layup in person, but going to the Al Horford trend again, how much of, does a bad taste of that put in the mouth? Because you have a max level d- guy here, max contract guy with a wide open layup. To win the game, to win a really good game in Houston, that's gonna be a great win on the road, and you miss a wide open layup because you get spooked. Not something a max level deal guy should be doing. No, no, not at all. And to to um, talk about my point against you know San Antonio, you know I, I, after that Houston game, I was sort of kind of thinking to myself, okay, you know what, this is this is good for Horford, you know, because this way he can bounce back from that situation. He can he can respond in, in fourth quarters in, in other games, you know. But it's just been the complete opposite. So I did, that, that obviously wasn't the case. And this is, of course, not an uh, inexpensive uh, contract that Celtics signed this guy to. But I think we still, have to, we still have to wait it out a bit, okay? If you look at his numbers, uh, you, know, you know, statistically, he's, he's filling up the stat sheet every single night. He's been very consistent. Um, of course, the injury didn't help him. Or I should say the concussion it wasn't necessarily an injury, but the concussion uh, sort of he came back sort of you know, trying to find his rhythm again. It looks like he's back into his rhythm, and I think that the, uh, the jury is still out a bit. You know, he, he did miss a lot of games you know, for the concussion protocol. So I think if those games, if, if, he had, if he had those games under his belt and this was still the same outcome, we, then we could be a little more critical with Al Horford. Um, he's missed up almost half of these games throughout this regular season, so I think we have to wait a bit. Let's see what happens by the end of December. But, um, of course, Isaiah Thomas coming back is going to help him, and I think they both are going to have a really, a really big night tonight against the uh, Hornets. All right, Josue, before I let you go, obviously um, a sad day in the NBA yesterday, um, hearing of Craig Sager's passing, and obviously we know the battling of cancer that he's gone through. I talked about it a lot uh, right before the top of the hour. Just give me a quick little thought here. When you hear Craig Sager's name, when you see clips of him, just what what do you think of when you think of Craig Sager? An inspiration. I mean, that's the best word to to describe him. I mean, uh, this is, of course, I'm speaking as someone who's, you know, in my mid-20s, just, so when I I grew up watching on, on on NBA on TNT whether it was TNT or TBS any Turner basketball so I mean this is a guy who I saw growing up so much and you saw the relationship that he had with not only the people that he interviewed but of course the people that he worked with and you can just see the type of guy he was because of how those interviews went you know a lot of these players and and 
TNT did a phenomenal job last night in terms of highlighting those moments and, and having the players and, and, of course, Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and, and all of them tell stories of him and who he was. I mean, Kenny Smith says that he's a big reason why he's still doing this for a living, you know. He was someone that told Kenny where, you know, Kenny was in the time of his life where he, he couldn't decide if he should go into coaching or if he should do something else. And he really motivated Kenny into doing what he does now, which, of course, is he does a great job of what he does. But I just think it goes to show how, how much of an inspiration this guy was um, how great of a guy he was and how many lives he impacted. Um, you know, I was listening to ESPN radio um, late last night and they had Brian Windhorst talking about talking about uh, Sager and he had an idea, who, which I think is great and I think that's something that I, I would love to see happen. Um, it popped in my mind, but actually I was I was wondering if you're going to. Oh, I figured actually you're going to bring up uh, Sager when I was on hold, and I was thinking about that idea, but I didn't want to steal it. You know, this is from Brian Windhorst. You know, <laughs> he, he, um, he he was on the ESPN Radio last night. And he was talking about how he would love to see the uh, the, the coach sideline interviews be renamed to the Craig Sager interview. I think that's a great idea because I he sort that. of began that that whole you know after the first quarter uh, interview the coach and, and see get some reflection from both sides. You know, after after the quarter. And, um, you know, of course, that, that led to a great conversation between him and Greg Popovich, which was always entertaining. But, yeah, you know, that, that's just the kind of guy he was. And I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss seeing him on the sidelines. Man, I, I was really was fighting back tears when I first when I, when I saw his SB speech live over the summer. I mean, we, we all knew he didn't have a lot of time. But it, just still finding the news, finding out about him yesterday sort of, uh, sort of hit me a bit. You know, I kind of had to stop what I was doing, just kind of think about him and, and what he's what he did mm-hmm. for this league and, and how he's going to be remembered. So, yeah, um, I would love to see that happen. I don't know if the NBA would ever That'd be sweet. Like that. Or maybe not the NBA, but TNT, if they would ever rename the sideline interview to the Craig Sager interview, I think that would be great, a great tribute to him. That would be a great tribute. It was awesome, obviously, seeing him be able to do a finals game, um, having ESPN bring him in to do a finals game because obviously yeah, he never got amazing, the opportunity. You know? um, and LeBron really shined, shined through and said, you know, it's about, ti- uh, about time you get an uh, NBA finals game. Um, yeah, that so, was great, man. Every time I see that interview, I smile every time. You know, it just they re- replayed it about three or four times last night. And, Maybe smile every single time that LeBron James said that, and that was that was great for him to say because he knows what how how much this guy means to uh, NBA broadcasts on uh, on TNT or, or just in general. Yeah, and, and I think that Craig Sager, we we we're all shocked by the death of course Josue because we all thought you know he was going to fight through it again. We thought he was going to get through, but inspirational too, knowing that he didn't take hospice. You know, we heard the stories in the reports the last mm, couple of days. Right, he went to his right. grandson's soccer game. He went he went here. He were basketball games. He went here. He went there. He was a normal human being until he possibly couldn't be anymore. Exactly. And that's why I think he's such an inspiration. I mean, the, the, the way they were telling stories about he was still going to work, doing six hours of chemotherapy. It's, it's unbelievable, remarkable story about Craig Sager. And it's a story I think that's going to be told, whether it's going to be a documentary or, or something in the making within the next few months or so, and I, I can't wait, man. I, I can't I, I can't get enough of uh, <laughs> learning so much about him because I knew him from a basketball perspective. Of, of course, you know, years before I was even born, he was doing baseball. Yep. And, you know, his, his ride, as someone who's part of the media and, and, and strives to have, you know, even somewhere, anywhere close to a career that he had, he's, he's definitely an inspiration for, for all of us doing what we do right now. All right, Josue, we'll leave it there. Uh, appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll uh, touch base on the postgame show. Absolutely, Jared, man. I can't wait, man. We'll break it, we'll break it down. Thanks for having me. Appreciate All right. It. Thanks, Joe Sway. Again, uh, Joe Sway Pavone, WEEI. Um, he'll be on hosting the postgame show as well. CLNS, I'll be t- chiming in as well, uh, running both boards. The Celtics pregame show here on ESPN New Hampshire. Uh, got a couple more minutes here before we t- hand it off to uh, 
Sean Grandy and Cedric Maxwell to have the call of this one. Big game for the Celtics tonight. Um, but I do want to touch on what he just said. And, and, and like he wanted to make sure, Joseph, I wanted to make sure it's not an original thought. It'd be so cool to see TNT, even if it's just TNT and Turner Sports, because I can't imagine the whole league would do it. I mean, they would, but TNT renamed the sideline reports to Craig Sager reports. That's such a great idea. Brian Winhorst. I, I don't know if that was your original idea or some friend told you that at a bar somewhere, but hanging out in Cleveland with LeBron. Maybe it was LeBron's idea, and he fed it to Brian. Who knows? But I think it's a great idea. That guy revolutionized what it meant to be a sideline reporter, how that gig was taken, what it meant to get the story at the sideline. He asked questions. He wasn't some giddy schoolgirl on the side. Oh, how do you feel about your first half performance, coach? Oh, great. I'll talk to you in the second half. How'd you, how'd you feel the changes went? Like, they, he grills them. Greg Popovich always played along, but he always, he's like, you know, coach, uh, you defensively, you weren't really strong there in the third quarter, not being able to play matchups well. How, how do you really cover LeBron James? How do you really do this? And he was asking questions like he was a writer and really asking for the answers. And not a lot of sideline reporters have ever done that or, or do that still. He was one of them. He always has been one of them. He re- rejuvenized that position and created what we all want to be as a sideline reporter if you're doing that. That's what you should strive to be. If you're anything less than what Craig Sager has, was, then, or if you're not striving to be Craig Sager at least, then you're not doing sideline reporting right. You're not doing a media member justice because that's, he was the guy who really took his job seriously, like, like Josue was talking about. He came after six hours of chemo and went back to the sideline because he... He wanted to feel normal. He didn't want to have cancer beat him. He, yes, it fit into his life, but he didn't want cancer to be the thing that took him off of his job. He wanted to say, hey, cancer, you know what? Screw you. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And there's going to be a lot of clips played. Um, I'll play a lot more. Uh, and again, shameless plug here. I hate to do it. But if you listen to the Sunday sit down on Sunday uh, mornings, 11 to 12, 30, 1 o'clock, depending on what's going on afterwards, we're going to play some clips this weekend of, of of Craig Sager because I'm a big hoop head and I know what he meant to the sport. So it's, it's stay tuned for that on Sunday. Um, I'm sure we'll get touched upon as well tonight on the postgame show. For those who aren't on the pregame show, me or Josue, I'm sure it'll get touched on by our third chair um, as well as the callers. But with a minute or so left here, um, tonight's game, important. And Josue mentioned it. You know, um, Isaiah Thomas probably will come back and be the guy that he always is, right? He's going to come back and... Be the guy who can put 20-something points up. He's going to have a good game. It's just what it is. You know, in, in the situation that he's in, this team is missing scoring. This team is missing that ability to put the hoop around the ball. Ball in the hoop. That's the basics of this game. Since the peach basket, that's what we're missing in the fourth quarter. And, and maybe it does speak a little bit. I know I asked him about this. It does speak a little bit about what Al Horford is um, and what he is to this team, you know, like falling apart in the third quarter. Um, so what we're going to see what happens tonight um, between the third and the fourth quarter, how we can close games. I expect this to be a dogfight. We're going to need Isaiah Thomas's leadership. We're going to need Al Horford to be big and move this defense around and be that quarterback that he has to be as a max-level guy and what we brought him in to be. I want to see offense ran through Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas tonight and everybody get out of the way. Jay Crowder, you need to toughen up tonight. Going to be a big game tonight. Celtics coming off some tough losses here. Schedule's not going to get much easier. After tonight, going on the road, they're going to come back for a rematch against OKC. Then you come home after the Christmas Day game. That's where we're going to see where the Celtics are made out. These next couple weeks, I completely agree with Joe Sway. With Isaiah Thomas back, full squad, let's see what the Celtics are made of. Right now, you're a few games back from the three spot. We all know that doesn't mean crap in the Eastern Conference, but 
I'm intrigued, and I'm intrigued, and you should be too as Celtics fans. This has been the Celtics pregame show here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jared Scally has been filling in here for you. Of course, that is me. For Patrick Gilroy and Jeff Hickman, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate it again. Big shout to Joe Sway Pavone of WEI joining us just then, and he'll be on the postgame show. Stay tuned after the show and after the game. See you on us postgame show. will be here as well. This has been the Celtics pregame show here on ESPN New Hampshire. Celtics Hornets next.